Welcome to Around Our Schools, a monthly program that informs about the educational programs and projects in our local schools. We have been interviewing staff and faculty from Clatsop Community College. We've learned about career training, student support, and business cooperative efforts that are coordinated through the college. Last month, we heard from faculty about pathways and how this college helps students prepare and transfer to four-year degrees. If you missed any programs, KMUN has them archived and you can listen to them from their website podcast. Today, longtime extraordinary faculty, Tina Toyas, Dean of Transfer Education and Physical Ed Instructor, and Pat Keith, Science Instructor, are back and will share the why and how of teaching at Clatsop Community College, both before and during this pandemic. I am Sarah Meyer, your host, and Margaret Frimuth has the technology to make it all happen. Welcome, Pat Keith. Will you tell us about yourself and how you came to the college? Yes, uh, thank you so much for having me. This is um, a lot of fun. I've been at the college for 30 years. Um, I came here from Portland as a part-time instructor just, uh, just to get a little bit of experience, planning to move on uh, in a couple of years. Uh, and every year it just kept getting better and better. A lot like the city, uh, improvements were made in, in gradual steps and um, every time I thought about leaving it got better and so I've, I've stayed around. When I first came here, I was shown an office with an electric typewriter. I'm like, wow, what a surprise. Uh, so I, I had to use my own personal computer for a, a couple of years and I was able to get a National Science Foundation grant to purchase a set of computers for the classroom and that changed everything that I did in class. And then um, most importantly, Thomas Rochester, who was a meteorologist uh, at the airport, left his entire estate to the college to establish a department of meteorology. And that has fundamentally changed what I've been able to do. I think one of the funnest things was 30 years ago, teaching at Clark College in Vancouver, Washington, students would do a lab that would take three hours. They would let a cart glide down an inclined plane pretty frictionlessly, and the motion of the cart was recorded on a spark tape. So there was a little wire and it would spark 10 times a second, and it would leave a little dot on a piece of paper. So as the cart moved down the ramp, there'd be a series of dots. And students would measure with a ruler the distance between dots, pull out a calculator and hand draw a graph. And at the end of three hours, they would have two graphs. And that we hoped at the end, the slope of one of those graphs would equal the acceleration of the cart. Now with computers, we are able to do that lab in five seconds. And so that has allowed us to really expand on what we do. And, and, and now we don't just tell our students, here's the experiment we want you to do and here's the answer we want. We ask really open-ended questions and ask the students to do multiple variations, changing the incline of the plane or stacking carts and asking them what they think will happen. And uh, it's just such a kick. So you came to Astoria from where? Well, I was a graduate student at Portland State University and then I taught one year as a sabbatical replacement at Clark College. And then I was a part-timer at Clark College and a part-timer at Clatsop Community College, going back and forth. Uh, I was here for three days and then in Vancouver for two days. It was a, a, a good success and I was a good fit for the college. And soon I was offered a part-time contract um, and then uh, it just built from there. One of the sequences I teach is physics with calculus. 
It's mostly taught for students who are interested in engineering and computer science, but also students in chemistry and physics would take this course. Another sequence that I teach is general physics for students in the allied health, pre-vets, pre pre-meds, occupational therapists, and some architectures as well, forestry majors. And then I teach um, courses for non-science majors that have become a lot of fun for me. Uh, they are, they are uh, uh, physics, meteorology, atmospheric phenomena, and geology. Wow. So you help students ask and solve problems, not just answer questions. That's sure exciting brain work. How are your students engaged in that? Are they actively involved, or do they kind of sit back and look at their computers? Oh, no. We are, we are all about uh, being actively engaged with your group. And this year, what a challenge. I was, I was so nervous a year ago as to how I could make this work. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough in the fall that we could open the physics lab up to 10 students. Uh, so typically, I have students working in groups of four, and they're working cooperatively together to come up with ways of designing experiments to answer questions. And now I've got only two students in the classroom and two students on Zoom. Uh, but the students really pulled through. What a challenge for them to have to wear a mask, be in the classroom, and try and communicate with two other students on a computer screen. At the same time, they've got data being recorded on the computer screen, and cameras are, are all over the place, and uh, equipment. Uh, they, they did such a good job, and they, they really pulled through and uh, made it an exciting year. So you have online and in-person lab work? Yes. I'm not sure, I mean, I want to make the distinction between sometimes when we say online, we're talking about a course where students can go online any time of the day and do their work individually. Uh, and, and, and this is, we, we call it hybrid. So I have two students at the same time with two students zooming in, all working together to solve problems. Wow. So all of your credit classes count as transferable credits towards that four-year degree in Oregon? Yes, all of mine do. It's a great deal for the students. They can come here uh, for a much lower rate and take all the courses they need for the 100 and 200 level courses to get um, uh, you know, towards their bachelor's degree in, in something really meaningful. Um, engineers and computer scientists are probably at the top of the pay scale but physical therapy and occupational therapy, pre-vet, veterinarians um, also do really well here. So what, what is a class load typically when we're not in a pandemic mode? Well, um, I, pl I plowed through it this year. Uh, so each, each year I teach the, the three sequences of physical calculus, general physics, and a, a smattering of physical science courses, trying to serve all of our students from the, the top of the um, science students to the non-science majors, um, giving each of them a really positive experience even though they have all different needs and expectations and goals. So how have classes changed or adapted during this pandemic besides the hybrid and Zoom classes? Well, it was a real mess last year. As, as like everyone, we had very little warning that we were going to have to completely change. Um, back in the spring, of last year, there were no students in the classroom. Fortunately, my students were trained with how I teach the class. They were familiar with it. And so even though no one was in the classroom, I could do the experiments 
without giving them any hints as to you know, what's going on and collect the data. And they would work cooperatively on, uh, on Zoom to work this out. And I would separate them in groups. So we, we kind of come together in one big Zoom session, uh, collect some data. I, would, I could post that on chat. And then I would put them in separate breakout rooms and leave them to try and answer the questions. You know, that's my experience, but wow, uh, everyone had to be so creative to figure out how we could do this. Uh, so some people were doing this almost like an online completely. Some people were just lecturing on Zoom. Some people were recording their lectures and putting those so students could watch them whenever. Uh, it was a real mixed bag. Wow. So with this mixed bags, do you see possibilities for the future for students and faculty? Yes, I see us getting off the masks <laughs> and getting back to the classroom where they could work. I, I think there's a, a huge benefit. I've, um, I, I've never really used our uh, platform for online courses, Brightspace. And I've been forced to use Brightspace. And uh, now I've got some shells that I, I'm, I'm really proud of. Even though I hope that my students will be all face-to-face, Having the materials on Brightspace will make it a lot easier for my students and me uh, to work together and, and turn in papers and get papers. And, and so everything's organized really nicely. Uh, there's nice links to all the movies they, they need to uh, access. I should explain that a little bit more. When I say movies, these aren't movies to watch. These are movies to analyze. One of the uh, really fun things that's kept me busy is keeping up with technology. So. 30 years ago, the technology was an electric typewriter, not a manual. Um, then we were able to get computers, and then we were able to get computers that we could record movies on. And uh, this was quite a challenge. We used a VHS camera to record the motion of some, some object moving. It could be a ball toss or a rocket launch. Students can analyze that movie frame by frame. And now they've got uh, a timestamp and X and Y position of an object. And the computer, we can use that to collect that data, say, OK, you know, here, here's where it was here. Here's the origin of this frame. And we can scale the movie so that we've got distance. And now we, we can um, you know, do really good physics with these movies. And, and it's so fun because we started out with that big VHS camera that was just one. And we had to use a VHS recorder that could go frame by frame and record it on the computer. Now, it's awesome. All my students come to class prepared with their own camera, as well as stopwatch uh, and calculator. And so now students can easily just use their smartphones to record motion, load it on a computer, and then use the software to analyze movies. That's way beyond me, and it sounds exciting if I were a student of yours. So your students have successfully competed with the likes of MIT. Can you tell us about your robotics club? Yeah, so one of the, the fun things I've uh, been doing for about 15 years is working with students um, on an international competition. Uh, it's remotely operated underwater vehicles. And um, it's, it's a competition, but it's a very friendly. We're all very friendly at these competitions. I'm really good friends with Len Benton Community College Physics Department, and we, we often cooperate together. So students are building their own vehicles, and these vehicles are operated on land, but you can't see the operation of the ROV. So you're, you're just looking at the cameras on board the ROV, and you're about six motors usually, sometimes just three, to move this around to perform several tasks. 
All the competitions are different and have their own theme. So some themes might be an underwater exploration where you're collecting samples and taking temperatures. Others might be more industrial where you're uh, at an underwater oil rig and you're replacing parts into an oil rig and you're opening doors and inserting devices uh, to keep it running. So there's something that you have to physically manipulate and usually some data collection that has to take place. Um, sometimes it's sample collecting as well as temperature or pressure calculations that are made. Um, MIT would, would also do this, and we always were proud that we, we scored higher than MIT. Um, and we've got as high as third place in the, in the world, so that made us feel really good. Um, uh, it's always a, a, a great thrill to, to place in the top 10, which we've done seven times. So did that club work this year, or did it have to take a hiatus for a year? We, we've taken a hiatus. I, I think I may have burned uh, uh, us out. The, the competition kept getting more, more and more difficult as large universities were taking this on, and I think Clatsop Community College is, um, is pretty small. So we, we have not done this for a couple of years, but I, I, I continue to do this. Uh, I'm involved with MATE and training other teachers to do this, uh, high school teachers as well as other universities. So I attend conferences a couple times a year, and um, my good friend Greg Mulder at Len Benton Community College and I put on workshops to help teachers bring this um, fun club to their, class, to their schools. All right. So you've talked about some of the changes that have happened over the last 30 years with Clatsop Community College. Can you, because I'm especially interested in, in your labs that you have, what do they look like now in the remodeled Towler Hall? And can you give us maybe some future expectations for those labs and Tyler? Yeah, I, so you said that, I go, wow, 30 years ago, would I have predicted what it looks like now? And they're like, no, things have changed so much. With, uh, it's just been wonderful uh, to incorporate all the technology. So we, the way we used to teach physics used to be lecture demonstrations. And now I, I don't lecture at all. And instead of me doing the demonstrations with the equipment, all my students have the equipment. Instead of me doing it, they do it. So in my classroom, I have um, five group tables with a computer. And students are working in groups of four at, at the table. And then uh, the curriculum that I use is workshop physics. And I love that title because I think of the physics lab as a workshop where all the tools are on the walls and just scattered everywhere. And students are free to grab whatever they need and invent new ways to collect data or measure things. Um, some of it's pretty directed, but we also have, um, with all my physical science classes, we have an open-ended project for the last couple weeks where students design their own experiment to answer their questions. Um, so it, it's really fun. At the, on the first day of class, the physics lab is so tidy, and by the end of 10 weeks, it is a complete chaos where student projects are all over the place and equipment is, is everywhere with three different classes using the space at the same time you know, you know, during the day. Um, it's not the class that I took many, many years ago. Thank goodness. Um, yes, I, I, I'm so embarrassed for the parents of my students who remiss about the horrible experience they had in physics. And I, I hope and I'm so glad that, that I'm, I'm told that my students are not having a, a miserable experience with physics that it's, it's quite enjoyable. And I, I think the students really are sick of being sort of told what to think. And in my class, they get the opportunity to tell me the way their world works. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to, us to hear? 
No, I, uh, I just think Clatsop is a wonderful place and a great opportunity for, for students of all ages and walks of life to come and, and get some experience and, and hopefully uh, improve their lives. Great. This has been great. And Pat Keats, science instructor at Clatsop Community College, you have our thanks for your dedication to learning. Thank you so much. Welcome, Tina Toyas. Will you tell us about yourself and how you came to Clatsop Community College? Well, um, I came, actually I've served the college in a number of capacities. I came here in the mid, I came to Astoria in the mid 80s. And my first uh, position with the college was adult and community education coordinator for the South County area. And I also taught a number of health and physical education classes uh, for community education. Uh, and I also referee three sports, so I became involved in the um, community outside of teaching for the college. And I served in that capacity for two years. And then I decided that I was going to get married and start a family, so I um, resigned from that position. But I kept active with the college as a part-time instructor and taught a number of health and physical education classes um, for the next 15 years. Uh, then in 1999, I became a full-time instructor for health and physical education and served in that capacity for 20 years. And, um, and as, as an instructor, I also served as a department chair and on a number of committees and other things. And then three to, three to four years ago, the pre college president at the time, uh, Chris Breitmeyer, who's our current president as well, uh, came and said, Tina, you are, I see a lot of good leadership qualities with you. I'd really like for you to um, consider um, helping the college in some way. I'd like for you to apply and see what you can help us with. And so actually, Margaret Freeman and I shared that position. We were interim um, co-VPs of instruction. And I was interim um, VP for six months in that, in, in that area and oversaw part-time instruction for lower division transfer and I still taught um, health and uh, fitness uh, classes. And then at the end of that appointment, I um, became a half-time dean, a dean of transfer education, and also served as half-time health and physical education faculty. And then two years ago, I became a full-time dean uh, for transfer education. So you do a lot of additional jobs to teaching. Can you tell us what your teaching tasks are? Um, I teach, I've taught a number of classes here. I teach um, Pilates, volleyball, basketball, racket sports, um, personal fitness, weight training. Now I teach on a part-time basis, health and fitness for life and walking and running for fitness are two of the classes that I teach. Currently I teach those online. Um, I also um, serve on a number of different committees um, assisting with the academic side of things in the instructional council um, and assist also statewide. I'm on the uh, oversight committee for dual enrollment and dual credit and I actually just finished a three-hour meeting for that. So uh, those are just some of the many things that, that I do. That sure sounds like more than a typical 40-hour work week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give or take a few hours. So as Dean of Transfer Education, you and Margaret Fremuth ensure the proper credentials for simultaneous and dual enrollment instruction. Can you explain how and why the college makes it happen and the difference? And what do you see as increased opportunities 
for students after we return to this new normal? Well, we have the dual credit and the sponsored dual credit, also known as Coastal Commitment. These are programs allowing students to take college-level academic coursework while enrolled in high school with instructors uh, taking place um, at the high school. So if you're enrolled in the dual credit or a sponsored dual credit, the student is able to take um, the class from their high school instructor. Um, if the high school instructor meets the qualifications as a college instructor, then they will not have a mentor. Um, but if there's a high school instructor that would like to teach a college class and they don't meet the credentialing that we require, then we have a mentor that helps them and assists them in the class making sure that it meets the college standard. Um, we also have something called simultaneous enrollment where a student could be enrolled in a high school class and a college class and they would actually come to the college or be in the college class uh, and still get high school credit and college credit for those classes. So there's a number of different opportunities there for high school students to um, receive college credit. And this is an agreement between uh, Clatsop Community College and the regional schools in Clatsop County and I guess also in Columbia County. Uh, students are enrolled in their high school classes and they are approved for CCC college credit. I was pretty impressed when we had a scholarship application through AAUW this year with a high school student that is graduating this year and she will also be able to go through graduation at Clatsop with her AA degree. So she will be able to go immediately if she chooses to into a four-year degree seeking. And I thought, wow, that is an energy student part. No, that's true. We do have a number of students. Um, you know, in Washington State, they have what's called Running Start, and we actually serve their students from Milwaukee High School and Nacelle High School. And a number of those students, I've, I've had a number of students that, that graduate from high school and graduate with an AA, OT, or a different degree. Uh, we also have homeschool students that also can do the very same thing um, if they are um, meet the requirements and they show um, the aptitude to do that as well. So yes, that is definitely possible. That is really encouraging for those of us that have parents are, are thinking of grandkids that are going on to school, that there are all sorts of opportunities that they can look forward to. Well, that's a, you know, that's two years of education at a phenomenally bargain price. That's right. Uh, so if, for those who have not been into the new Patriot Hall, can you tell us a little bit about that facility? Oh, sure. Patriot Hall is an excellent state-of-the-art um, facility. We have three floors. We have a um, full-sized uh, college floor basketball court. We also, on that court, we can, it's a uh, suspended wood floor. We can also play uh, pickleball, badminton, uh, and tennis. And we have six baskets. We can go um, parallel with two courts. Uh, and then we can also go the full length court. We have bleachers that will seat up to 600. Um, we also have a full setup that if you wanted to have an activity, like a, a um, we have our foundation dinner there every year. We've also had a number of other um, activities where uh, dinners come in and they can be catered. We have set up for up to 350 um, places, tables, chairs that we can accommodate. And I don't know that, that there's anywhere else in Astoria that can accommodate uh, that many people. Uh, in that large of a space. And then on the second floor, we have a full weight room uh, with all brand new equipment, state-of-the-art equipment with a, also a free weight area. 
Um, and then on the opposite end of the building, we have a full cardio room with the state-of-the-art cardio equipment, elliptical machines, treadmills, stair climbers, um, cross-training machines, exercise bikes, rowing machines. So, and we also have something that's called the um, Jacob's Ladder. There you go. And um, you, it's continually climbing a ladder. And we have a contest going on right now to see who can get the most distance on that. And we're keeping like a chart. So there's some, some eager beavers out there uh, working on their Jacob's Ladder, which is great for like firemen, policemen to really get their endurance and cardio up. And then on the third floor, we have a three-lane track. Um, that has a 360 view of the beautiful um, Columbia River, a great view of all of Astoria. We also, on the third floor, have two full-size studios that are wood floor for dance, yoga, and other activities such as that. What a building. Oh yeah, it is, yeah. So, on a good note, can you tell us about the free class for the high school juniors and seniors this summer? Sure. So, we're offering a um, one uh, class free tuition for summer term and so the student would pick out the class that they'd want to take um, and then they would work with student services and I believe the high school instructors or high school counselors know about this and so they are helping um, their students decide on what class um, would best fit for them and then they are registering for those classes. So commencement happens June 18th <laughs> at the CMH field. It will be a very different in deference to the safety concerns for the COVID-19 virus, but we have graduation. Can you tell us about who gets to get graduated in Clatsop Community College this year? Okay, so we have um, 123 people that are certified to graduate um, in degrees and in certificates. We have 49 applicants and that meet the requirements for an AAOT. We have 15 um, students that meet the requirements for AGS degree, um, Associates of General Studies. Uh, the AAOT is an Associates of Arts and Oregon Transfer degree, so they will be transferring into Oregon universities as a junior. Um, and we have AAS degree, so that's Associate of Arts and Science. Um, which we have 45 candidates for that. That would be your nursing um, degrees and some of your maritime so science, uh, fire science. Those are all going to be within your AAS degrees. Um, we have, and I know of those 45, I believe 23 of those are for nursing. Um, we have two uh, ASOTs, which is our business degree, uh, one of the business degrees, ASOT, and then we have uh, 12 one-year certificates that are also qualified. And those, the, the, peop, the students that graduated last year that didn't get to have a graduation ceremony, they were also invited um, to attend so that they could go through a graduation ceremony. And I believe that some of them have accepted. So we so appreciate you fabulous educators. Clatsop Community College attains its great credibility because of the faculty and the staff that teach and work for the students that attend. Thank you, Tina Toyas and Pat Keefe for your years of education, and a special thanks to Margaret Fremuth for her work and to KMUN for letting us share the programs of Clatsop Community College. There is opportunity for potential work experience for high school and college students through the Clatsop Works program this summer. And students are paid. Hmm. Find out more on the Clatsop Community College webpage. 
Our last college interview will be June 8th. We will then take Around Our Schools to Tongue Point Job Court. You can hear past interviews by going to the KMUN website and clicking on Around Our Schools podcast. Until next month, this is Sarah Meyer with Margaret Fremont wishing you a safe and enjoyable life.